Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. A social media manager's job is not to do everything. Our job is not to like do analytics, growth, five platforms at once, editorial, blog, memes, design work, community management. It's gotten better in the past couple of years, but when I started my marketing job or social media marketing job like six, seven years ago, we were expected to do it all. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. I have a special guest today. He crushes it on social. He's crushed it on multiple social profiles. I'll let him introduce himself, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ish. I currently lead social and community at A16Z Crypto. I've been in the tech industry for, what, like nine or 10 years now. And I like to kind of share how I broke into tech because I have a very non-traditional background. My first job was actually leading like an assistant manager at a gym, at a 24-hour fitness in Southern California. So basically doing like front sales and uh, customer service, managing a team of like 20 people. And I was, I think, 22 years old. But marketing is something that I've always been really passionate about ever since back in the MySpace and AOL Instant Messenger days. Uh, I just found it fascinating. And I think the reason why is that I grew up moving around a lot. So I think I moved must have moved like 12 or 13 times by the time I hit high school. And, you know, growing up, it sucks when you're always a new kid on the block and you can never like keep in touch with your friends. And like back then it was email. My mom didn't let me have an email address at the time. Um, and then this thing like MySpace came along. I think AOL Instant Messenger came along first. And I, then I was able to like connect with people and keep those relationships going. And so throughout high school and even through college, I just found it fascinating that I can like, you know, message people at scale, communicate with people at scale and keep, you know, relationships alive. So I guess I'll pause there and see if you have anything to chime in before I kind of share how I broke into tech, which very backdoor, you know, not not traditional at all. It's actually funny because like for like the millennials out there, like I remember it was actually like hard to if you didn't have a community in your school or anything to like find your like people. Yeah, exactly. And even AIM was just your friends and MySpace was just your friends. And then they were chat rooms back in the day where you can like, go high, find chat rooms but you never really had an opportunity to like instagram and um stuff like that too and other social windows to break into like new communities online which you can fit in it so it was a really interesting journey if you didn't go especially when you move around so much it's hard to find your group of people and someone some people have been living in the same place for 12 13 years and yeah i was always very envious of that like people had you know their friends since you know first grade all the way to college and then yeah they just been together forever so i I think that's kind of where my obsession for social media marketing first sparked and then i i'm a very creative individual i think my mom is also an entrepreneur so I, i i get that aspect from her and so kind of you combine the two, obsessed with like communicating people at scale and building relationships with um, like the creative aspect and be able to storytell using different formats, long form, short form, video, et cetera. So yeah, I went to a school at UC Merced, a very small school in the Central Valley, not like a you know well-known school at all. And 
I, like many people our age, was very influenced by like the social network, the early days of like Facebook, Snapchat, et cetera. These people building like, you know, social companies, social media, Tumblr even. Um, and so I always wanted to work in tech. I just didn't know that tech had jobs that weren't engineers until I graduated college. And I was like talking to people about like what I wanted to do. I was trying to apply to jobs. And one of my mentors was like, you know, if you really want to work in tech or like specifically, I said, I want to work at Snapchat. I want to work at LinkedIn and I want to work at Twitter. Those are my three companies that I want to work at. And a lot of people that I went to school with, because we went to a small school, they're like, you dude, you're crazy. Like, you're never going to make it in there. Like, only the Stanford kids get in there or like the Harvard kids get in there. But my mentor said at the time, they're like, if you really want to work in tech, you know, you can break in. There's always a back door. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not an engineer and it's going to take another four or five years in, in order to learn that skill set. He's like, no, dude, like, <laughs> you know that they hire marketers and they hire like product managers. And, at, you know, I had no exposure to tech before. Like, I'm Latino. I grew up. The first in my family to go to college, I'm the first person to ever be exposed to any of this stuff. So it was all just a new world for me. And so I graduated, did not get any of those, you know, jobs that I applied to, and then had to move back home with my parents in SoCal and then landed a job at a gym. But every night that I would go home, I would just apply to these jobs that I was like dreaming of every single night until one day there was a, a role that, that came up and it was like an event specialist role. And throughout college, I always did events like concerts you know, all that stuff. And so I basically like found somebody at the company who I always also went to school with and they just got him on the phone and was like, hey, can you walk over to whoever's the manager for this role? I want to speak to her right now. And he's like, dude, you're crazy. Like, I'm not going to do that for you. Like, I, like I just started working here myself. I was like, dude, just please give me an opportunity. Like, I'll just make it work. And sure enough, eventually it broke him down. Uh, my friend Kevin Ali Busan. And he walked over during lunch one time and handed her the phone. Uh, and she was hiring for an event specialist and said, hey, I know you don't know me. I've already sent you an email. I've already sent you a LinkedIn message. Here's my portfolio. I know that I'm just like a hungry you know, college kid, but I know that I can do this role better than anybody else. Uh, long story short, I drove up the next day to San Francisco from Los Angeles. I drove overnight and then I interviewed a day and a half later. The morning of, uh, I, I get a, a message from the, the manager and she's like, hey, just to let you know the, the role that you applied for has been filled, but there's a recruiting coordinator role if, you, if you're up for it and kind of a different skill set. And so I applied, I applied for that role, I interviewed, and then I got a call at 5 p.m. later on that day and she's like, hey, so I want to let you know you failed miserably in the recruiting coordination interview, but you know your, your skill set and your passion for events shine through, so we're going to open up a brand new role for you. Uh, doing events. And so that's kind of how I broke into tech. It's not the traditional, like, uh, you know, you apply online or a recruiter reaches out to you because you have an amazing background and you get the job and it's happily ever after. I tell people I, I broke into the back door, but there's always a back door and, and it works. So that's kind of where I started my tech career. From there, I've created my own job, my own job role at LinkedIn, doing social media marketing and recruitment marketing. And then from there, I landed my social media lead role at LinkedIn a few years later. You had to find the scrappy ways in sometimes. I remember when I started and I wanted to work in marketing, but I was in San Diego and San Diego had like no tech jobs or any like cool company. It's all in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, let's just take like a market. Like a, it was like marketing. It was part of like specialist role. And I didn't know what part I was, but I was like marketing technology. That might be a cool thing. And then I, I worked there for like a year and then Finally, like I saw tech companies hiring for marketing 
ops yeah. and then i'm like oh i could go work at tech but it was like i had to find first someone to take me for like a skill set and then the skill set let me into once you're in then you can kind of carve your own path you just need that trust when and to get into the network and then you can kind of figure it out from there i want to go into social media marketing and social media growth let's do it i know you're passionate about that Let's start of how you think about growth in social media. What is your philosophy? And then we'll go into more tactical things that you do to grow. So like many other marketers on the podcast that are listening probably understand that like without understanding your audience and your value proposition, there's not really much you can do on social or on in marketing in general. The bedrock of everything that I do is understanding who you're speaking to, what your unique value proposition is as a company, as a product, as a service, and then as a marketing arm of all of that. And then figuring out like, how can you share that in unique creative ways via social and then layering in value add opportunities. So like if you're, if you're building something for B2B SaaS, not all of your content should be like B2B SaaS related. It should be helpful for the people that are using that particular service. So informative, educational, informational, and you know, humorous, et cetera. But yeah, I, I think at, at the very, you know, gist of it, it's like understanding your audience, who are you speaking to? What are the profiles? Like on social specifically, what I do, I'll go out and I'll find 10 profiles that I want to target and then find 10 other profiles that are similar to them and just keep branching out until I have like a thousand people that I'm kind of targeting that are in my target audience. Um, because it's, when you're doing it via email, it's like a, a faceless uh, name. But on social, people have their social profiles online. So I can go find uh, find them, see what they're interested in, go through their content, go through their replies, go through their likes, and get to get a good gauge of like, what are these people like? What are they most likely to engage with? And how can my brand or my product or service deliver content that's going to be shared into other people's feeds? And then after that kind of is figured out, all the growth hacks can be layered on top. But I think content the audience, understanding the audience and your value propositions is probably the, the foundation of it. So when you started your new new role, like their social presence was not really big. Yeah, we had zero. I built it from from scratch. Yeah. So when you're approaching something like that, because I know a lot of marketers like are either in the stage where they come in and there's a social party with 2,000 people and half of them are like bots and half of them bots. Thanks. <laughs> What what are the first couple of things you start doing? I know you the audience thing is great, but what are the first couple of things you start doing to map out, okay, I want to grow. What channels am I going to be on? What am I going to start posting? What are the first things you started mapping out? So the very first things that I did when I got hired is I didn't even launch the social channels. I didn't even put together a social strategy. I tried to speak to as many people at the company as possible and just because I was like an outsider coming in and the culture was already developed for the company, for the brand. And so I try to speak to everybody, high level, low level, you know, executives, et cetera, to determine like what's the personality and the voice and tone of A16Z crypto. Like if A16Z crypto was a person, how would they speak? Who would they follow? How would they like, what kind of content is it? Are they funny, helpful, et cetera? And then put that into like a personified A16Z crypto and then develop a social strategy. So at the very top of it is like, why are we developing a social strategy? Why is it important to the brand? What are the goals that we're trying to reach? Is it like increased podcast listeners, increased blog visits? Is it just brand recognition in general or increased um, attention to brand? And then 
once those are kind of mapped out, then okay, well, what social channels are more most likely to drive growth in those areas? So for us, that was Twitter, X now, and LinkedIn, um, which LinkedIn came later. And at their at their channel, which is called Farcaster, decentralized social um, network, it's a decentralized network and a social platform layer on top. And so I kind of started off with Twitter, built out the strategy for that there, and kind of just tested and iterated at the very beginning. Within like the crypto and community, the crypto and Web3 community, there can be a lot of hate and a lot of like, uh, you know, back and forth, uh, especially in the replies. So one of my personal goals was just like, let's try to get like 90% of our replies to be positive. And over time, if they get better and better and better, and people start saying like, hey, this is very helpful. This is educational. I appreciate this type of content. And that's like a huge W for me versus just like harping on like the engagement and trying to get as many impressions as possible. I just try to get people to kill them with kindness, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I can get more tactical if you'd like. I kind of, I've written a few threads. I think a lot of people just think like, hey, you need a social presence. Like I think the first step knowing why we even need a social presence is important. I don't think like sometimes like that's not shouldn't be your first like focus and like it might be good to like have like a as a landing page, but it might be something you want to grow. So it's so important to like know why we're going on social and then the goals of what we're trying to achieve. So then you set up for success because I think they just want to have social because everybody has social, which is usually like an answer a lot of people have. It's uh, how you get screwed. Every social media manager's worst nightmare is when. Um like the head of marketing or the founder says, hey, I want to be on this new social platform just because it launched or because everybody's on it. And you're like, well, our audience is not even on there. The content that we produce is not going to really work well for that platform. And we're putting so much energy into this other platform that's already producing you know, great engagement. Why not just double down there? Most of what I preach when it comes to social media marketing is like the more focused you can be, the better. And that's with your content. That's with the platforms that you decide to be on. That's with your engagement strategy to be as focused as possible because it's very easy to be on like five platforms at once and give each of them like very little attention to detail. Yeah, that's why I, it's also important. You said I started Twitter or X now. Once I've learned X, branched off to LinkedIn, LinkedIn. and the different different audiences and different tones as well. But mm-hmm. you know, kind of you can pull what worked from Twitter, which is what I do. Like Twitter is kind of like where I start testing something works really well, I'll figure out how can I craft it for the LinkedIn audience, which is slightly different, a little bit more serious, a little bit more mature than like the crypto audience on Twitter, which is very like funny or like, you know, faceless uh, names on on the screen. Well, I like how you said it started X, at least for your audiences. It's such a real-time feedback platform where LinkedIn takes a while to like, you could like throw up like 30 posts and like- Exactly. Where like LinkedIn- you only have like one or two a day to like. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> you got to put out the bangers on LinkedIn. Exactly. <laughs> There's two things that I think will be helpful. Uh, the second one is going to be the what's working for us right now for our growth. The first one that I think we can dig into right now is like my Twitter strategy. So when I got to A16Z Crypto, I talked to a bunch of people, I put together a doc, and then like I figured out this is the voice and tone. Next is outlining exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to go and tackle this, this goal. Um, of building a social presence. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk through like the different points. So somebody listening who might be like a, a CMO that's not really super close to social, they can kind of do the same thing for themselves and their brand. So if you're kind of building the social you know, presence from scratch, 
start off at the very top, obviously our goals. So it could be like increasing your following, driving traffic to your website, being positioned as a leader in the space. Next is voice and tone. So determining like, are you helpful? Are you playful, supportive, knowledgeable, insightful? Kind of figuring out like if, if your brand was a person, how would they speak and who, you know, who would they be online? Next after that is like the different audience segments that you're speaking to. A lot of people sometimes will say like, oh, well, I only have one target audience and they're like this huge generic blob of people. But you can oftentimes break it down into more specific audiences, which is helpful when you're developing content because you can say like, all right, if Web3 founders are the majority of people that we're speaking to, well, what are other ones? Web3 enthusiasts, people trying to break into Web3, you know, Web2.5, Web2.0 people, people in tech, big tech, et cetera, media, industry influencers, et cetera. All of this helps you craft like your content strategy. Next category is content cadence. How often do you want to post on Twitter or whatever social platform? And do you want that cadence to go up over time, down over time? And then what are you what are your you know success metrics? Are you measuring based on replies, bookmarks? Do you want more reach? So you're measuring based on impressions, retweets, et cetera, figuring out like what your success metric is so you can kind of determine if you want to increase or decrease. The next thing on my doc is uh, content. So what kind of content do you post? Do you have an editorial team? Do you have, you know, founder stories that you want to tell? Figuring out what are the buckets of content. And oftentimes if you have a marketing organization, all this stuff is already there, like events, news, community, et cetera. It's just a matter of like outlining it. And then at the very top is what's the most important content that we want to share and how can we make it social first? Next is content pillars, the different types of content. And this is not meaning like video, short form, et cetera. It's more like for us, it's like, you know, DeFi, NFTs, gaming and metaverse. All of these things are like subsets of Web3, but they're things that we want to talk about regularly. And then after that, I get really, really in depth with my stuff just because uh, I'm a social team of one, which usually this is the case. And so I want to make sure that whenever I'm out, whoever's running the social channels can look at this doc and be like, okay, I know exactly how we're going to speak. And it gave me examples of like, you know, the voice and tone, et cetera. So I outline, I outline content examples, specifically, how would you write on Twitter? And for us, it's like, I wrote examples for like the helpful tone, editorial tone, promotional tone, supportive tone. This is how we speak. These are the emojis that we use. These are the things that we don't use. And so the next category is like, okay, how do we, like, what are bad examples of content that if we push that online, we would be pissed or somebody would be pissed. So, you know, the content do's, the content don'ts. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to rush to the last couple because uh, I know this is probably like a little bit menial for some people. Um, content to avoid, community management. This is actually really important to our growth strategy. When do you reply or like to content? Do you like every single comment that, that you get on online? Do you like some of them, only the positive ones, the neutral ones? How do you respond to people? Um, the specific words you use, the emojis you use, the gift. GIFs that you use, the memes that you use, et cetera. And then examples for each. The last category that I have is like the follower strategy. So for each specific platform, we don't follow everybody. What are the types of people that we do want to follow? We want to be very strategic with them. How do we reach out to them? Do we DM them? Do we try to build relationships with some of them? And all of this can be like, you know, translated to a business. If you run a business or CMO at a company, you want to have all of this stuff outlined because it's kind of like your sales funnel at the same time. So that's kind of like a, my, my social strategy, you can kind of use this for any social platform. One question I wanted to go back to is when you started A16Z, how did you know you wanted to start a that company to build a social? Like how, if someone's going to be, get a social media 
manager role. It could be different things. Like some people are great at growth, social media growth. Some people are great at keeping a great account. Like, how do you know, like, this is the social media manager role for you? This took like a lot of like self-development work. It just kind of like reflecting and like listening to books and podcasts, et cetera. But one thing that I've learned about my personality, and this is like true since I was a kid, is I like to go from like zero to one phase. I don't like to like maintain things. And so when I've like reflected into different jobs that I've done or different projects that I've started, I get so much energy from like the ideation, the creation, the building, and like the initial part of the scaling phase, like going from literally zero followers to let's just say 100,000 followers or a million followers. And then after that, the thing is going to grow itself. You don't really need to add that much more creative work in order to get the momentum going. And so kind of reflecting at when I was at LinkedIn, we had 400,000 followers when I started and I took us to 1.2 million. And that was really fun for me because I have more than double X, you know, I, we, we got over to a million, which is really awesome. But then after that, I was like, okay, well, what's the next big milestone? We can get to like five, maybe two or three. Like at this rate, it's just going to keep growing. So the energy was like that I had for it was like a little bit less and less and less. And when I, you know, saw this opportunity to work at A16Z Crypto, first off, I, I've been like a crypto enthusiast for, for years now. Um, so it's a huge passion of mine. I was spending nights and weekends for a while, just like obsessed with it, all things crypto and Web3. And then so like there's that aspect of passion. And then the other aspect of like, it's a blank slate. This is like my dream come true, being able to like combine passion, things that I'm already doing, spending nights and weekends on, plus the blank slate that I can kind of come in and just build from the ground up. Uh, so I guess speaking to like a potential social media manager or other social managers out there is like finding the brands that are like aligned with your interests or the industry is aligned with your interests and then figuring out would you rather build from zero to something or find a brand that's already doing really well or decently well and trying to like one up it, which oftentimes is pretty difficult. I think knowing that too is a great thing because for me, I'm I'm in your boat. I, I'm more of a growing thing phase. I also don't like a lot of red tape. Yeah, same. I don't want a lot of peripherals to get things out. I want to be very with because social is a very quick game. So you have to be, you can be stuck in reviews for You can't have 48 hour SL turnaround. <laughs> so I think that's so important to know who you are as a person in your career to say, like, and also like what type of company you want to work with. Do you want to work for like a startup and mid phase stuff? Yeah. Like that? There's all these different things that you should know before you go, go in your career. So I think that's important. Also, one thing I want to nail down that you said so good is setting up a SOW um, or like statement or whatever you want to call it, SOP of like, hey, this is how we run social. So like if I, so you can take a break as a social media. Yeah. Most social media managers are so burnt out because you're the only person that could do your job. So you want to be somewhat replaceable or at least like somebody can step in if you need to take a day off, you know? Yeah. And I think it's so important to have that even, even if, as you grow as a social manager, let's say like you, you end up hiring a team. Now you have like an SOP to just hand off to your next hire and be like, okay, this is how it's done. We do it. Um, this is what we do. So then you can go focus on the next phases of the strategy. Um, exactly. So I think that's so important. And I made that mistake a lot early in my career with marketing operations. I was like, though, any marketing ops. So I was like, oh, I built it all myself. And then I was, people, I started hiring people and they're like, I had to keep telling them what to do. And I should have just got a document. A1 documented everything. So it's such an important point. 
And I learned the hard way because when I was at LinkedIn, I was still a team of one leading social for their biggest business line, uh, Talent Solutions. And so whenever I would take days off, I would be like literally sitting on a beach, like stressing or like checking my phone. My manager always had my back, but you're still a team of one. I didn't, ha I hadn't, I didn't have things as documented as I ha as I do now. Like you can probably pick up my document and still run the channels like decently well, at least so that nobody notices that I left, you know? That's a key part, I think. I think for you is the writing down the tone and make sure that that's what I, I've done. Like even for like the marketing line, as we started documenting, so if anybody was going to come and post on Twitter or Instagram or anything, it was, it's like, okay, here's how we talk. Here's how we don't talk. These are the words we say. This is the words we don't say. Like this is how we act. You got to get really specific. And for anybody who doesn't do social, like this level of specificity that we're talking about is like, it sounds, it sounds like common sense or sounds kind of just like, oh, why do that? I already know. But like your brand is the entire persona is going to be, if you have hundreds of thousands of followers, even like a few hundred or thousands, it doesn't really matter the, the size, like one word misplaced or one use of emoji or like one meme that's out of place your audience will for sure notice. It just gives them kind of like a cringe or like you, your, your brand equity loses a ton in just that one post. So I think that's why I'm so like, you know, so strict on it. Especially very strict niches like crypto or if you mark. Oh, for sure. And you're not talking like a crypto person and you're talking like someone who doesn't know anything about crypto. Oh man, they'll drag you on crypto Twitter. <laughs> so they'll drag you if you don't if you don't like one word you could say something like like for example at a place yeah like ex the talk like when you say someone write like sas with like two capital a's for example exactly with the the, the sas industry will drag you yeah exactly <laughs> so like you got to make sure like you understand those things that we don't say otherwise someone who doesn't know like it's not a bad thing that they don't know but if they put it on Twitter, the whole community would be like, do you guys even understand us as an audience? Like, exactly. If you put exactly. So it's I just was give a quick example. I bet there's a bunch of crypto examples, but that's I just seen a lot of people who try to put things out on social that For sure. understand that you can read between the lines that they don't understand what they're talking about just because of one word they put out. Exactly. I just realized I didn't talk to the second point. So uh, I started uh, my job ten no a year ago. I started the social platforms about 10 months ago. When I joined, the goal was to go from zero to 100,000 in a year. And I think we're like 92% to goal and I have two months left. So I've been kind of documenting things I've been working just so I can share it in public. And here's a few things that I'll talk about. And again, some of this is common sense, but really difficult to do consistently for 10 months. Uh, the first is like developing highly shareable content. So at least one time per week, I produce one piece of content with the goal of it being shared multiple, multiple times. That could be like the formatting of it. It could be turning a blog post into like a long thread. It could be turning a podcast into something more visual that people want to share, like a quote card. The goal for those types of posts, highly shareable content, make them easy to just retweet, repost, et cetera. The second is community-driven questions. Uh, early on when we had like the cold start problem of like you have zero followers, how do you get your first 10,000? We try to be like the like the the platform for the Web3 you know, founders community or builders community to come together and like exchange knowledge. So I would ask a weekly question for a while that every answer or every response to that question would drive value for the next person that was like reading. And those went crazy viral. Like I think what my, my best one got like 4,000 like likes and, you know, so many different bookmarks, et cetera. 
the main metric that I was looking for for those was replies. So I can get hundreds of replies, which I did. Like that was a, a win for me. Um, the next is like community management. I think within social media marketing, this is often overlooked because most social media managers are so stretched thin that they don't have time to go into the channels every single day and like actually, you know, see who, who's responding to them, who's commenting, et cetera. But I do this every single day. I go into the social channels myself natively, respond, like, if there's something that's like uh, worth sharing with the team, which I do a lot, I'll share with like the executive team or with the, the team here at, at the A6DZ Crypto, um, just to give like an update of like, here's what the here's what the broader ecosystem thinks of us, or here's like a good anecdote of what people think. But yeah, community management helped us a lot to get to like 40, 50K, because people were saying like, oh, wow, this A6DZ Crypto is actually responding to me. And then people would screenshot it and then share it. Or people would like retweet it. Like, wow, I got a response from A6DZ Crypto. Like, even if you're not a marketer, think about it this way. Like, if you're a, think about your favorite celebrity, like it could be Tom Brady, Kim Kardashian, wh whoever it is. If you like tweet at them and they actually respond to you, how special that moment is. So for community management, I try to create those special moments at scale, like, you know, thousands of them creating super fans, who are, which are then going to, you know, share your content. Uh, the next, and there's only a few left. The next is like off-platform promo really helped our social strategy or social growth. So like email. We have an email uh, database and then also our podcast, you know, driving people, hey, we just launched our social channels, follow us on Twitter here and dropping it in the in the show notes. That helped a lot. And the last two, one of them is tapping into existing networks. So because we have a good amount of people here that, that work at the firm that already have followings, it was trying to be creative on like, how do we have them mention A16Z Crypto without it being like a shilly way and making it just like they're kind of like influencers promoting the brand, which then drives traffic to us and then it converts to following. And then the last one, probably the most obvious is like memes and threats. So early on trying to figure out like, what are things that people are going to think are funny or comment on, even if they, even if they don't hit like land as well as we'd like to, knowing that they're going to drive replies and then threads as well, taking highly complex web three and crypto problems or, you know, content pieces and putting them into very simple threads. So that's kind of what's been working. That's been the playbook for me. Um, and you can go ahead and like, this is the good thing about social is you can see all the stuff that we've been doing. I think I did a highlights tab under A6CZ Crypto so you can see all of our best performing content on Twitter. And so, yeah, that, that's that's kind of like what I've been using to grow. I think knowing what your goal is, is like, okay, I want a post to be shareable. I think a post, once the goal is this, to be funny, I think the goal of this is to be relatable. I think is so important, and every post doesn't have to have the same goal, which is really great. Also, I think people hate this when pe social people do this, but it's so annoying that they hate it because that's what the platform likes. Like doing things that make you grow on platform is not a bad thing to do. Like yeah. threads on Twitter. I mean, they're getting less and less valuable, but two or three months ago. Like doing a thread and it pops off could grow your following really hard. But like a year ago, doing a one line tweet that was a banger would have gone off. So like you have to exactly. do what works on the platform if you want your goal is to grow on that platform. Otherwise, yeah. it's hard to not. I think yes, that only works. And this is, you you understand this better than anybody. But yes, that works if like, you're following trends and making sure like kind of growth hacky ways. Only if the content itself is good or great for the intended audience. Like if it's just shitty content that you're trying to like growth hack and like get a bunch of views, it might pop off and it still might work. But then 
you're like losing so much brand equity in, for your intended audience. They look at you as like, you know, cop out type of thing. People don't understand that it takes good content or relatable. I, and good content is very subjective thing, but good content exactly. that is relatable to go viral. You can't not have, like, there's a reason if people are liking it and it's going viral. It's because it relates to a bunch of people. It's not exactly. And I mean, Mr. B said it very well. And the algorithm is the audience. So if you know, if you know that the audience is, likes that and there's a broader enough audience that likes that type of content, you, you have a bigger chance of going viral on that content if that's your goal. Your goal exactly. is to be very specific for crypto people who like X, Y, and Z. It's not going to go as viral, but it might bring more expertise to that, to that channel. So it all depends on your goal. For sure. What is a marketing hill you would die on? Okay, I have one. And a lot of social marketers would agree with me, but outside of social media management, you kind of, people like scratch your head. The social media manager's job is not to do everything. Our job is not to like do analytics, growth, five platforms at once, editorial, blog, memes, design work, community management. It's gotten better in the past couple of years. But when I started my marketing job or social media marketing job like six, seven years ago, we were expected to do it all. Like, okay, this week you're going to write a blog post, but make sure you write, also do 40 pieces of content across five different social platforms and don't forget to engage with everybody. And, you know, you have, we need you in this email marketing meeting because social is going to be included as well. And so we were being like stretched so thin, social marketers, because we were doing five jobs at once. And a lot of social media managers will complain about this because it still happens today, especially at startups, unfortunately. The bigger organizations have figured it, are starting to figure it out. They're like, why not get a more specialized marketer that's great at social media, but they're fantastic about copywriting, specifically on Twitter. And then I'll help them with by getting a designer that's good at doing memes and you know creating infographics, et cetera. And then I'll like hire a contractor to do blogs or something like that, that are, or podcasting. Um, whereas before, and it still happens today, like, one person is expected to do it all, um, unfortunately. And people don't understand it's different skill sets, a lot of those things. Being able to yeah. edit videos, being able to create- <laughs> I've edited some shame videos before, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> being able to edit videos, design, community manage, copyright, understand technology. Under analytics, growth. Analytics, growth. Like all these things are, are different also brains. Like some, Social media managers are highly creative. Doesn't mean they're like the best at understanding numbers. Like, and you have to like find that what they good at, and then figure out how to like build. At least, even if it's not on the social team, like you can have like a head of content feeding social people. Exactly, social content, and you can have a video team feeding because they're already doing video for the companies feeding social some of that video content. There's like you can yeah. have support functions that also help the social team do their job. You don't even always need to hire somebody to like compensate for the weaknesses of that social media manager. You can also do like contractors. You can use online tools. You can strip away the stuff that like is not really moving the needle, but you're just doing it because that's how it's always been done. Um, like you don't need to do video. You don't always need to do podcasts. You don't always need to do blog. You don't always need to do X, Y, whatever that is. It's just kind of like double down on your strengths 
if you can hire a contractor or hire an agency to kind of fill in the gaps. And if not, then just do what's going to work for your brand and your audience. Going back to what you said earlier is it's focus. At the end of the day, the way you grow a great presence is be great at the one or two channels first. And then once you've graded one or two channels and you understand, and it's like an always on channel that is, can keep going, you can start branching out. But also what you said at the beginning, a lot of the things that scale you at first are very unscalable ways of doing yeah. it. So yeah, exactly. things that take you to scale are very unscalable. Community manager, and even if you put it in a, a software that helps you, it's still unscalable. You still have to reply to all these people. Exactly. Even if you put macros in, you're still replying to all these people. Yeah, for sure. I, I did every single response myself for, um, I mean, I still do. I don't reply to every single tweet now because we get so many of them, but I try to like as many of them as possible. But early on, I would get like, at one point, our notifications on Twitter was like hundreds every time I checked it every hour, just hundreds of new things coming at new notifications. So definitely unscalable, but it obviously worked, you know, to get at the initial base of following. Most of the things to grow are unscalable at first especially on social is what you said at the beginning, all the things that you've saying in this beginning are unscalable things, but it takes you to get to the point where when you had 20, 30 K that you can scale easily, but reaching at finding 10 profiles and then finding those that's unscalable, but it will help you scale replying to people. It's unscalable. It will help you scale at the end doing that research and getting in depth and all the comments and all the community is unscalable at first, but it will help you get to where you are. But you have to do those things at the beginning. Otherwise, you're never going to scale. It can, unless you get really lucky. Um, and Elon Musk retweets you or something. Like that. Yeah. I did a presentation, uh, like a masterclass on social media marketing. I'll send it to you. Maybe you can include it. It's like a 20 minute video on YouTube. I started off with a meme, but then I, one of the things that I said is like, there's three ways to grow a social presence. One, you could be famous. Mm -hmm. So if you're not famous, you're fresh out of luck. Two, you can be controversial. I don't recommend that one because it could usually end bad even if it grows a following. And number three, you can be helpful. This is the route that I usually recommend. And let me tell you why. And I kind of dig into it. But it's exactly to your point. Like if you're famous or you have like an established audience somewhere else, then yeah, of course it's easy. You could throw shit at the wall and it'll stick. But it, like most people like us, you kind of have to like figure it out the hard way, which is the not scalable way, you know. It also builds a great thing. So like, you have to live and die by what you really want. If you really want to grow, you have to commit at least like the first 10,000, 20,000 followers are going to be very unscalable things. Yeah. Um, until you get into an operating rhythm where you're like, okay, I have 30 people that I know like are retweeting this that are like high profile people who are great and, or like are in the crypto community that are, that I know will have audiences that will start doing it. But until I get there, I get, I, can't really do anything so. yeah for sure uh well this has been great i want to also ask where people can find you and where people could find your stuff yeah for sure it's just ish verduzco i-s-h-v-e-r-d-u-z-c-o on twitter instagram i'm going to be more active on linkedin so if you guys are active over there check me out there and yeah this has been really fun i know i appreciate it finally yes uh getting on a call has been a minute but uh and then what i'll do also is once this goes live I'll drop a comment with some some more helpful stuff. Like I did a post on like getting your first thousand followers or if I had to start back from zero, how I would like go, you know, zero to 10K in 60 days. So which I think is usually the 
the thing that people are trying to figure out with social marketing is like, I'm starting at zero. How do I get my first couple thousand? You know, there, or I'm starting at like 10,000. There's not really an audience there. How do I take actually start building an audience? Exactly. So, well, this has been great. And thank you so much. Yeah, man. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.